Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Well, we welcome everyone here this morning. Let me remind you, tonight at 7 p.m. is our Sunday night service. We teach on, uh, well, basically healing, faith, you know, things to do uh, with the Subjects that have to do with the power of God, receiving from God. So be a part of that. Also, uh, Tuesday night is our regular prayer service at 7.30. We invite everyone to come out and be a part. We like to especially exhort those that live on the island to come every Tuesday. Be a part of that prayer service. It lasts approximately an hour. Uh, If you live on the mainland, then try at least once a month to come down and pray with us. I tell you, prayer is the engine. Of course, Jesus is the foundation, but prayer will definitely fuel Uh, the will of God in a church or a ministry. Amen. And then on Wednesday nights, uh, our service lasts approximately an hour, 7.30. We're usually out by 8.30. And so, you know, we we do value uh, uh, your time. Uh, You know, know, the Spirit of God gets moving around here. Well, we'll stay as long as it takes. Amen. Uh, But other than that, we try to be good stewards of your time uh, when you give your time to the Lord. Amen. So come and be a part of that. Actually, on Wednesday night, I'm going to start a new series on uh, the love of the Father of getting to know your heavenly father. You know, Jesus was real adamant when he was on the earth. You know, he spoke and he said, uh, you know, the words that I speak are not mine but my father's. And the uh, deeds that I do, they're not mine but my father's. And what really made people mad at Jesus was his connection to the father. I mean, not everybody mad. I mean, a lot of people got blessed because of it. But the Pharisees and the religious people, they were kind of like, how dare him even call him father? Amen. That was a new concept even to them. But you know, Jesus revealed the father. And he does that today. And I don't know what your situation is with your earthly father. But I do know what your situation is with your heavenly father. And any deficit there may be in your life because of an earthly father, I guarantee you got a heavenly father that's more than enough that can help heal your heart and heal your life. Amen. That was my intention this morning uh, to begin a series on the authority of the believer. It's been about 18 months since we have studied that subject, and I believe it's just time to get back into the, into the study of that, into our authority that we have in the name of Jesus, uh, in understanding our adversary, the devil. A lot of preachers never even teach on the devil. I teach on the devil. I believe you ought to know who your adversary is. Amen. We teach on that, how to release the power of God through the word of God, all the things that we have in Christ. And I know that many of us, we still have several families that are out. This is kind of the last weekend of the holiday season. And many of our students are still out. They'll be back. They'll all be back, uh, coming back during the week for their uh, new uh, spring semester. Uh, But the Lord really began to lay on my heart. Actually, about Wednesday uh, into Wednesday and into Thursday, I began to meditate on some things. And I'm going to do something today. I did it in the early service and worked real good. And it's kind of a new subject. I don't, I haven't taught on it. I may have hit it a few times, but I've never really gotten in depth on it. And I'm going to do that this morning. We're just going to teach on uh, death, dying, and heaven, going to heaven. Anybody want to know about heaven? Did you know heaven is real? Did you know heaven is more real than the earth? You say, now how can you say that? Well, just because we're here doesn't make earth the reality. Because heaven did not come from the earth. The earth came from the heaven. Amen. 
And I want you to know, if you can understand things about heaven and about death and dying, I guarantee you, it'll help remove the grief. If you've got any grief, if you're holding on to anything, it's been, I guess it'll be this month, it'll be two years ago that my mom uh, went on to be with the Lord. It's been uh, over a year that, that uh, about a year and six months that Leah's mom uh, has gone on to be with the Lord. So we kind of in a two-year period, both of us uh, lost our moms. But in both cases, in both cases, you know, there was a moment there when we, 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 we knew we were going to miss them. But I can honestly say, and I can speak for my wife also, that we found no arena of grief. We've just rejoiced. Both Momo and my mom lived for heaven. They lived their life to go to heaven. And that's what you're doing also. If you're believing God, if you're serving the Lord, you're living your life to go to heaven. And this short span of life, you know, the Bible, when it speaks of our time here on the earth, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, descriptions that it used are really not very encouraging. It calls life a vapor, a smoke that passes by, you know, I mean, like, like oh, I wish it was a little more than that, you know, uh, but you know, it's not. If you live 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, amen, however long you may live in the scheme of eternity, man, that's not even a second. That's not even a microsecond. Amen. But the good news is you're going to be with your father, with Jesus. The Holy Ghost is going to buy, abide in you and you're going to live in heaven or in the city of heaven and be a part of the activity of heaven for eternity. Forever. You say, how long is that? Longer than I can come up with. <laughs> Amen. Because any measurement you may give, it's longer than that. Amen. So we thank God for these things. But you know, with, these, with this type of teaching and with this type of understanding, we comfort ourselves. God comforts us. The Word comforts us. We comfort one another. And we also have an assurance that this isn't the real reality of life. This is just an opportunity to enter into another reality that's even greater than we can imagine. Amen. Now, in your Bibles today, if you go to Luke, let's start in Luke. I've got four places I want to get to in the Scripture. I'll do my best to do it in my allotted time. I think we went over five minutes in the early service, but everybody was with me, so I stuck with it. Amen. Everybody say, Pastor, stick with it. So I'm going to stick with it. Amen. Luke chapter 16. Now, we're going to begin in what was relevant to the Old Covenant so that we can understand some things about death and dying, and also the new covenant. Amen? Now, the old covenant was different. Uh, when men and women, under that covenant, which we can begin, all the different covenants that came up, there was a covenant that Noah had. Of course, I believe there was a covenant that Adam and the woman had because God came down and slew animals in order to cover them. Uh, there was a covenant of Abraham. There are covenants that God had with Israel and all of the different things that God did under that old covenant. But see, the good news about that is this. They had their covenants. We have ours. And ours is better. Everybody say better. Ours is a better covenant based on better promises. But in that covenant, now before we really get into it, I'm just going to paint the kind of the thumbnail sketch of it. When those men and women died, when physical death took place, they did not go to heaven. Let me, let me try that again. When they died, when physical death happened in their bodies, age or whatever it may have been, they did not go to heaven. They went down into the earth. In the earth during that period of time, however many uh, thousands of years that may have been, during that period of time in the center of the earth was 
Two places, there was Sheol, hell, or, or the abyss, the place of death. And there was paradise, or what we would like to call a holding place for the saints of God who died in faith, having not yet received the promise that you have received. Amen. Now, there are some unique things. Three in particular. Two of them, I believe, are very plain. One that I'm not so sure of. I've heard some teaching on, but I'm really not sure of uh, exactly what went on there. Uh, the two that we can pretty much uh, uh, draw a conclusion that basically they just pulled off a rapture somehow, a personal rapture, was Enoch and Elijah. Now, now, how that happened, I don't know. I mean, the Bible's not clear on that. But the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was no more. And there's really not a whole lot more of information that we have on that. Now, Elijah was a very peculiar individual. Why he was taken up the way he was, I believe all of these things have to do with end time events and all that. And I, we've heard different ones like Joe Morris and other preach on those things and, and on the witnesses and stuff like that. And, and, you know, those things will play out and we'll be able to see them. Amen. Uh, but then there was Moses. Now, I don't know what was unique about Moses, but God felt like he had to hide the body of Moses for some reason. And I know when Jesus was there on the Mount of Transfiguration, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah speaking with him. Now, I do not know. It talks about these witnesses in the, uh, during the tribulation period, who they're going to be. And I, well, you know, we do not have concrete evidence, but obviously it will be either Moses, Enoch, or Elijah. That, out of that three, two of them will be chosen, and they will be people that will be on the planet as those witnesses that will be slain and then risen up after three days. You say, what does all that mean? I haven't got a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I mean, we're not going to be here anyway. Amen. I said, we're not going to be, we're going to be at a big party yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Amen. Now, did you find Luke 16? Let's, let's look here just for a moment. Now, what we're going to look at here in Luke 16 is not a parable. Now, you say, why would you say it's not a parable? Well, the reason it's not, number one, is Jesus is using a specific name of one of the individuals in the story. Uh, next, he's being very specific about things that go on. Now, as I read it, you'll see that it's not a parable. It, say, it says there, in, uh, uh, where am I at? Verse, I'm in the wrong chapter. Let me get the right chapter. Verse uh, 19 of Luke chapter 16, the gospel of Luke. It says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple, purple being the color of royalty, and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Everybody say every day. Living a good life, Amen. Here on earth. It says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Well, that, that doesn't sound like the good life to me. Amen? Sounds pretty rough. It says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels, now notice the term, into Abraham's bosom. Now let's look at two things here. Number one, it says he was carried by the angels. Now I've noticed this both through testimony and in the Word of God, that at the point of physical death, now remember when redemption we studied the three types of death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. At the point of physical death, and physical death is all it is, is your spirit being separated from your body. Your body just steps out, I mean your spirit just steps outside your body and your body is lifeless. Without your spirit, you have no life in the body. No matter how strong your body is, no matter how strong your heart is, no matter how many vitamins you take or extra, if I can pull your spirit out of your body, that's it. You're dead. Separation. Remember, the word death, when it relates to humanity does not mean the cessation of life. It means separation. 
So at the point of physical death, for a covenanted person, Lazarus obviously was part of the covenant of God. At the point of physical death, there are those that will help you make the passing. Many testimonies we've heard of angels appearing to people who were dying. Uh, uh, I just actually was listening to a, uh, a teaching. Actually, I think Alan and I were listening to a teaching Saturday. We were out of town for a few hours and, and we're driving back and we're listening to some teaching on my uh, radio in my truck. And uh, uh, it was talking of a man uh, that uh, he made it, he was, he was dying and they prayed for him that he would be healed. He was elderly, so the family was, you know, believing that he would make a, a good cross. But they were praying for him that he would be healed before he died. You know what? God healed him. He'd been in a coma for several weeks. He sat up in the bed and he began to talk to his family. He began to say goodbye to everybody. He took some uh, financial things that he needed to get in order, got them in order. And then as the two-day process in which he was healed and just sitting up in his bed and was fine, he kept telling everybody, there's, there's somebody standing right over there that keeps going like this. And he says, I keep telling him, wait a minute, I'm not finished. Wait a minute, I'm not finished. Well, see, somebody was sent to help him make that crossing. That, that happened to Lazarus. The angels came. Uh, a friend of mine, his father was dying and had been in a coma for many months and was very sick. But, but the family had gathered around. The doctor said there wouldn't be many hours till he would make a passing. And he said right there at the point of death, his dad sat boat right, just boat right up in the bed, just sat up in the bed. And with all the strength and vigor he had as a young man, he just said, there's Abraham right there, fell over dead. <laughs> Amen. Don't fear death. You'll have some help. Amen? I mean, it bears it out in the Scripture. The angels came. I can imagine as they come said, don't worry, you know, we're going. We're, now notice it didn't say he went to heaven. He went to Abraham's bosom. Now that is not, when you say Abraham's bosom, it's actually, if you study this out, he went to a great feast, was seated in a place of favor, and was reclining with his head upon the chest of Abraham. Beats going to hell, doesn't it? Amen. So there, there, there's Lazarus. And notice what it says, came to pass the beggar died, was carried by the angel and angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell. Uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. Now, now let, me tell, let me just get, you know, this is Island Church. This ain't the first church. It's Island Church. Amen. You say, what do you mean? We believe in hell. Hell is real. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we're out there in the streets and on the airwaves and every way we can be preaching the gospel. Listen, your life here on earth is your opportunity not to go to hell. God don't send anybody to hell. People choose to go there. Amen. So now this rich man is in hell. It says, and in hell, number one, he lifted up his eyes. He could see. Uh-oh. That means you can see in hell. So eyes or eyesight is, is a sense. It's a physical sense. Notice that the physical senses must also have a relevance to the spirit realm. We talk many times about eyes of the spirit, ears. Of, have you ever heard something that you didn't hear with your physical ears? Well, that was your spirit man. You ever seen something you didn't see with your physical eyes? Well, that was your spirit man doing that. Well, obviously this rich man died and he's there in hell and all of a sudden he's... He's looking around and he can see. Well, what, 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 what a horror that must have been to recognize I ain't heaven. Because I guarantee you, you'll be able to tell the difference. Amen. Amen. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Number two, look at this, being in torment. 
Now he's in hell and he's what? He's tormented. So there's some type of sense to the spirit in which he can feel. He can see. He can feel. We'll see that a little more in just a moment. He said, and he was tormented. Came to pass, excuse me. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So not only is he can see, and he can sense this torment, is he can look across, and he can see paradise. And as his eyes focus, he sees the beggar that was laid at his You know, he probably had some thoughts then thinking, probably should have took a little bit better care of that beggar. Obeyed the covenant. Because part of his covenant was to do what? Take care of that beggar. He didn't do that. That's why he was in hell. So he looks over there and he sees, he sees Lazarus reclining on the chest of Abraham in paradise. Now notice what he says. He says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham. Now notice this. He can see. He can feel. He's in torment. Now he can communicate. Wow. Listen, let me just say this. This might help some of you. When, when, when you pass from this life and your spirit man steps out of your body, you're not, you're not changed into vapor or smoke or, you know, some, some little fat baby with a, a, you know, that you see in a toilet paper commercial somewhere. And let me just say this also. You don't become an angel. Amen. Don't believe Hollywood. You don't come. Angels are created beings. You're a procreated being. We'll study that later when we study angels. But you don't, you don't, you know, I know, I know everybody's favorite movie. What's the one with Jimmy Stewart? And you wouldn't hear it ring a bell ring. You know, the angel got his wings, you know. I like that movie as much as you do. Amen. And I don't stand in front of my TV and go, wrong, wrong. Your doctrine's wrong. It's Hollywood. <laughs> but you're not going to become an angel. You're better than an angel. Amen. I said, you're better than an angel. Amen. So, so he can not only see and sense he's tormented, but now he's communicating. He can communicate. He lifted up his eyes and being in torment, seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy. He's pleading, have mercy. Send Lazarus. He's making a request that he may dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue for I am, I am tormented. Woo, you ready? In this flame. Good reason to serve God. Amen. You avoid the flame. Amen. I ought to get a better amen than that. Amen. I mean, the greatest act of self-preservation is to get born again so you don't have to live for eternity in the flame. Amen. I mean, it'd be torment enough to know that you're not in heaven, you're not with God, you're not with your, your loved ones, you're in hell with the devil and all that kind of... I heard a guy say this one, I don't, even, I don't want to go to heaven, I want to go to hell. That's where Jimi Hendrix is. Although that ain't no reason to want to go to hell. Because you got to understand, in hell you will experience all of the most adverse emotions of life. You will not be partying with Gene Lafitte the pirate. <laughs> Heard another guy say that, you know. No, you will be in torment. You will be in flame. You will feel isolation. You will feel loneliness. You will feel things. Listen, the emotions here on the earth are nothing. They are pale and compared to the torment and isolation you'll be in. And just notice, knowing that you're separated from a loving God. He's tormented. He's in panic. He's communicating. Do something. Dip your finger in the water. Put it on my tongue. Now, that, 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 that's needing some relief, man. He ain't like, send the fire department, put me out. He's like, just a drop of water 
on your finger placed on my tongue would give me some relief. Listen, there's reasons to serve God. There's reasons to live holy. There's reasons to make heaven your home and not hell. Mm -mm. I am tormented in this flame. But now notice this. But Abraham said, son, remember. Now notice this. He communicated over into paradise and paradise communicated back to him. Do you find this interesting? I do. I think this is very interesting. Literally, God is pulling back the veil of the spirit realm and letting us see the spirit realm right here. Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So we understand, yes, down in the earth, there were two places. There was hell, there was paradise. But between them, there was a distance. There was a gulf. Now notice what he says. He says, besides all this, between us, uh, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us and would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Now notice this, in hell... In hell, in hell, the rich man's concerned. Could you think of the panic he must have been in thinking, my wife may end up here. My children may end up here. My brother, his household, their family, my neighbors, my loved one, people that, people, people that I love could come to this horrible place of torment. What do, you think, what do you think the message would be from hell right now? Don't come here. What would it be from heaven? Come here. See, this man is experiencing that. I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him from my father's house. For I have five brethren that he might testify unto them, lest they also to come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, and they hear, uh, let them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now he's referring to Jesus. He knew there would one come that would rise from... Listen, not everybody's convinced today. Lord, we pray. We get on our knees here on Tuesday nights. We pray personally as Christians. We preach the word. We invest millions of dollars into the proclamation of the gospel saying, make heaven your home. Make Jesus your Lord. Miss this place of eternal torment. And there are still people that go, no. No. Not everyone receives, but we're going to preach like they will. We're going to afford everybody the greatest opportunity through the proclamation and the demonstration of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because the word will convince you that God is good, that heaven is real, and that Jesus died so that heaven could be your home. Amen? Now, remember this too. You can also go study it over in Luke, I believe it's chapter 23. When Jesus was dying on the cross, there were also two thieves on each side. One thief railed him out of disrespect mocked him but the other thief recognized who he was and said now listen man we, we for our crimes this we're getting what we deserve but this man hadn't done anything and he looked over to jesus he says you know when you come into your kingdom would you remember me and that's all it took i mean he didn't get down off the cross and become a great preacher he just was still hanging on the cross and jesus said it like this and i like if you if you do a study you get you got to do some in-depth studies to find out some of this 
Jesus said it like this to him. He said, I say unto you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Now, you say, why did you say that, Pastor? Well, because the way the punctuation is in the King James, you would think that Jesus said, I say unto you, this day you shall be with me in paradise. But he didn't say it like that. He said, I say unto you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Because Jesus wasn't going to paradise. I said he wasn't going to paradise. Now, real quick, real quick, let's go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians 4. Is this helping anybody? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We know that's one of the letters to the church at Ephesus and, everybody say and, the church in Galveston. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I know there's a lot in this teaching in chapter 4, but let's lift it out now. The Bible says rightly divide the word of God. Let's lift it out and stay with our subject. Uh, Verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 4. Wherefore he saith, everybody say he. Now this is the word speaking, amen. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended. Now who's he speaking of? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Everybody say that with me. Captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now first of all, that, that, that creates a question. Now captivity captive, what could that mean? Well let's read on, let's study a little bit. It said, now that he ascended... What is it but that he also descended first into the lower, now I want you to notice this very closely, into the lower parts. Notice the word parts. Not into the lower part of the earth, but into the lower, say it with me, parts. Being what? Plural, not singular. Meaning there were two parts. There was hell, the place of torment, Paradise, the place of reward. Now you've got to understand when you die, when you, when you're, when, when you step out of your body in this life, you will either be punished or rewarded. Amen. Your life is your opportunity to determine whether punishment or reward is your eternal destiny. I ought to get a better amen than that. That should make what goes on in this life very serious. Don't play with sin. Don't play with the devil. Live holy. Live for God. It's the greatest life you can ever live. A life of sin, no matter how extravagant or or pleasurable it may be, is nothing compared to the life of living for the Lord. But now notice, before he ascended, he also did what? He descended. Before he went up, he went down. So when he died on the cross, he went down. Now notice what it says. It says, now, now that he ascended, it's also that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth. So he went into both the lower parts. That one word tells you there that he not just went to paradise, he also went to hell. Now let me help you with it. We'll, we'll stay with me. It says, he that descended is also the same that ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Whoop, I missed one. Now he that ascended is he that ascended, what is it that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Now, the definition of lower parts is the word abyss. Everybody say abyss. Now, that is the word abyss. If you follow the lineage of that word and see what abyss would have been in a Hebrew language, it would have been the word sheol, which is the place of departed souls separated from God. That's hell. Everybody say, that's hell. So Jesus, according to the scripture, when he died. Now remember, he's on the cross. 
He's bearing your sin. He's bearing your sickness, your disease, every addiction, every problem with mankind. There he hangs. Then he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou what? Forsaken me. God had turned his face. Now, Jesus did not go to hell with his sin. He had none. Neither did he have the sin nature, but he bore ours and he took it to the place of authority when it comes to darkness, demons, and the devil. Now, let me say this. Satan does not live in hell. Demons do not live in hell. They're loosed on the earth. Now, there are those that are in hell right now. But now, Satan, his seat of authority is hell. Do you understand that? That means that's been given to him. When he, when he caused insurrection in heaven and God threw him down to the earth, he came up out of that and came onto the earth and began to become active upon the earth because of the sin of man. Man was made, actually made the God, the little God, under God, God, big God, big G, us little God, little G. Satan became the God of this world because he took it from Adam. Adam was made the God of this world and Satan took it. Now he's the God of this world. But Jesus got it back. That's what redemption is all about. Amen. But we're not going that direction. But Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then with all of our sin, with all of our sickness, our disease, our depravity, he goes where? Into Sheol, one of the parts of the inner earth, of the low earth. He goes into hell. He suffers three days and three nights. And then the terms of justice were satisfied. Who determines that? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but it was satisfied. And the spirit, everybody say the spirit. That Holy Spirit that was upon him came down into his, because he's in spirit form, into his spirit and re-energizes him. He rises up. Not son of man, now son of God. And the devil's like, "Uh uh-oh, whoa. The Bible said if the princes of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. Because see, they thought they had brought a living person into hell, but it wasn't a living person, it was life itself. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Living people have a problem with hell, but life always overcomes death. Light always overcomes darkness. Are you with me? So he raises up. But then, after he spoils principalities and powers, makes a show of him over the triumphant over him, he had completed redemption, what was necessary for redemption at that point, at that time. I know he has to go present his blood in the Holy of Holies, but he steps over into paradise. Could you imagine what that was like? You ain't never been in no church service like that. Those people were going on, man. I guarantee you, David, you thought he danced over there in first, second, he danced. People were, I mean, and what an easy altar call to give. There's the son of God risen from the dead. So he takes captivity and he does what? Off they go to heaven. Now we know. See, there's many things in the Bible that are kind of shadowy. We know that as all of this is taking place, as Jesus is suffering, man, the, the earth is shaking and the sun's not shining. And then the Bible says, have you ever read this? That the saints, there were saints that had gone on to be with the Lord walking around in Jerusalem. They're walking around in Jerusalem. Amen. Well, Jesus is preached to them, gathered them up. And where's he going? He's saying, come on, we're going to heaven. We're going to the city of God. We're going to the place you believe God. You died in faith believing that one day the Redeemer would come and, and take and bring redemption to you so that you could live forever with God. There it is right there in Ephesians 4. Now, real quick, go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. Then we'll come back to 1 Corinthians. You liking this? 
I love it. I, I just think this is so neat. What was that old song we used to sing? Uh, Ella may remember. Come and go with, come and go with me to my father's house. I, I, we used to sing that. I used to think about heaven. Amen. Now, here in Revelation 21, it begins to speak of a new heaven and a new earth. One day there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Did you know we're going to experience all of that? These aren't just words in a book. As real as John 3.16 is for God so loved the world, this is also true. I think sometimes we live so deep in the temporal, we don't, we don't recognize the eternal. But if you learn to live as the, in, in the eternal dimension, the eternal realm, because, honey, you didn't enter into eternity. You don't enter into eternity when you die. You enter into it when you get born again. Amen. Eternity becomes your reality. Amen. But now as he, he, he talks, there's so much there we don't have, have time to get into. And then there in verse, uh, uh, in verse 9, he talks about uh, an angel. But then notice what he says in verse 10. Speaking of this angel. He said, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city. Everybody say great city. The holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Now, let me help you. Jerusalem on the earth is the city of God on earth. How many, has anybody ever been to Jerusalem? A few people have. Anybody that's ever been there will testify this. I've been in cities. I've been in, listen, I've been all over the United States. I've been in Tokyo. I've been in Seoul. I've been in uh, Manila. I've been in Hong Kong. I've been in Managua. I've been in Dublin. I've been in London. I've been in all these cities. But never have I been in a city like Jerusalem. When you begin to approach Jerusalem, and when you begin, especially when you come into that old city, I mean, you begin to sense the presence of Almighty God. I mean, it's amazing. Jerusalem is not the geographical center of the planet, but it is the spiritual center of the planet. All of the great religions of the world find their fountainhead there. The only one that's relevant is Christianity. Amen? But you've got to understand, you've got to understand that Jerusalem is just a type of the true city of God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And now John's being shown this. Now, when it, the word heaven, the word heaven and heavens. Everybody say heaven and heavens. Now, Paul talked about being caught up to the third heaven. That's the city. Everybody say that's the city. Because there is the heavens. We've got the immediate atmosphere around the earth. That's where principalities and powers and spirits. People talk about, well, there's a spirit over some city. Well, that's true, and it'll hang there until somebody tears it down. You say, how do you tear it down? By preaching and proclaiming the gospel. You don't do it by getting up in an airplane and flying around and trying to bind it. You don't do it by that. You just get up and proclaim. See, Paul, that's what he did. He, he went around and preached the gospel and tore down a lot of those strongholds. That's what we're doing here. We're preaching the gospel. A lot of the old strongholds around here have been falling year after year after year. Amen. Now, that's the heavens, but then there's the, also the next realm or the next dimension, which is, for lack of a better explanation, outer space. I mean, you know, they talk about leaving the earth and going into the heavens. But then there is the city of heaven. Now, let me say this, because I, I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but it'll help us understand it. In the city of heaven, there are dimensions of the physical and the spiritual. Now you say, what, are you try, what point are you trying to make with that? Remember, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, let's, let's take a little trip just for a minute. He, 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 he spoils principalities and powers, makes a show of them openly. He goes into paradise and preaches to the, to the, to the ca captivity captive, gathers them, and heads for heaven. But in the meantime, he stops and picks something up. Does anybody know what it is? His body. He goes back into the tomb and whoosh, slips into his body. 
Amen. Then he steps out of the tomb and there stands Mary Magdalene. And he tells Mary Magdalene, don't touch me. Why would he say that? When, when four scriptures later, he tells his disciples, handle me. Put your finger in, my, in the nail prints. Put your hand in my side. See that I'm alive. Be a believer, not a doubter. He tells Thomas that. Amen. Do you remember that in, in the scripture? Now, why, then why would he tell Mary Magdalene, don't touch me. He is the one. I've not yet, what? Ascended. He had stepped back into a place of deity. Are you with me? So if she would have reached out and touched him, she would have fell over dead. Why? The blood had not been poured upon the mercy seat. So he ascends into heaven and pours the blood on the mercy seat. Amen. Actually, I don't know all the particulars of it, but the fall of man not only had an effect on earth, but it had an effect in heaven. Because Hebrews said these things must be cleansed with a greater sacrifice in heaven. Are you with me? So, so, Jesus is in a physical body. Now, he's not just floating around somewhere, suspended over there by Neptune somewhere. No, he's in heaven. He's in the throne room of God, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, notice, notice, before I get ahead of myself. Carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So, it has the, it's mobile, has the ability to move. It's not a giant flying saucer. Anyway. Amen. Having the glory of God, and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now listen, this is amazing. And, and had a wall, great and high. Had 12 gates. Everybody say 12 gates. And the 12, and the and 12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. The north, three gates. The south, three gates. The west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them were the name of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, there are apostles today, but none of them are the apostles of the Lamb. There were the 11, amen, are you with me? There were the 11, now, now let me help you with this. There were the 11, and then Judas hung himself, but then they elected another one. You say, is he one of the apostles of the Lamb? Yes, he is. Now, people would argue and say, isn't it Paul? Paul is not an apostle of the Lamb. You say, why that? Because he didn't handle Jesus. He wasn't with him. He wasn't part of the business of the ministry of Jesus. But this one, who was it? What was his name? Matthias. And they elected Matthias. He was. Amen. So, so, so you say, well, do you really believe that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, they wouldn't have put it in the word of God. God wouldn't allow it in the word of God. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't him, the word would say it. So we just take it, take it, take the word at face value. Amen. So there's the, the, the 12 apostles of the lamb, which were they. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And the city lieth four square. Now that, that term four square means a cube. It's an actual cube. The city of heaven is an actual cube. Are you with me? Four square and the length as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length Breadth and height of it are equal. Now, if you do the math and do a little word study, you'll find out that 12,000 furlongs is equivalent to 1,500 miles. That the city of heaven is 1,500 miles, 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 
plenty of room. You take and draw a line from, from Houston over to Denver, come over to Nashville, down to Miami, and back to Houston, then pull that out 1,500 miles, and you got an idea of what the city of heaven's like. Plenty big. Everybody say, plenty big. It says, and he measured the wall thereof. 140 cubits, approximately 72 yards high. That's a big wall. According to the measures of a man, that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it, and the, and the building of the wall of it was of jasper. Now notice this. And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Woo-hoo-hoo. Where's our jewelers at? People that work with you. You know, gold, gold, scientists have proven this, that gold, no matter how pure it is, it still, it still retains a color because of impurities. But if you could purify gold, it would still retain its weight, but it would be crystal clear. Woo, what's that going to look like? I can't wait to see. That's going to be awesome, man. Pure gold like unto clear glass. Well, we could have told the scientists that right there, couldn't we? That's what the word says. And the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Listen, this ain't Jared's. We wear these little rocks on our fingers and stuff like that. They build walls out of them. They build cities out of them. We wear a little gold and a watch or a a trinket of some kind. They build streets and foundations out of absolutely pure gold. Well, that's just spiritually speaking. Come on. Foundation of the city, garnished with all manner. Precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, uh, uh, chardonnay. I tried to say these last night. It was hard to do. Fourth, an emerald. Fifth, a sardonyx. The sixth, the sardis. The seventh, a crystallite. The eighth, a barrel. The ninth, a topaz. The tenth, a crisperus. The eleventh, a I couldn't get that one down. The 12th, an amethyst. Amen. But those are all nice stones. And the 12 gates, now listen to this. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. So it's not the pearly gates. It's 12 pearls that are at least 72 yards high. Hey, this ain't Hollywood. This is real. There is a city in which has 12 pearl gates that are 72 yards high at least and no telling how wide. And your grandma went through them. And my mom and my grandma and the saints before us has walked through those gates into the city of heaven itself. Oh, glory to God. Every several gate was one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty was the lamb and the lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. And the lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved, which are saved, which are saved. That word nations is the ethnic backgrounds. That's why church, God likes his church to have diversity. 
Asians, Africans, Caucasians, Hispanic, all different, what? All different ethnic backgrounds. Those that are saved, everybody say saved. Those that are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day or night. Now, I love this part. For there shall be no night. There shall be no night. One one other scripture I read says, there shall be no curse. No sickness. No disease. No poverty. No lack. No problems. You say, it can't be that good. It's better. It's better than what we say. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations unto it. And there shall be, and there shall, now this is, let me, let me, this and then we'll go to Corinthians real quick. My time's almost up. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let me read that in the Amplified. It says, but nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever enter in. Nor anyone who commits abominations, unclean, detestable, morally repugnant things or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Now let me just say this. When you come walking into heaven one day, you will not be a stranger, you will be home. Let me try that again. You will not be an immigrant. You will not be trespassing. You will be home. You say, why? Because if you're born again and you die a born again Christian, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you walk up to that big pearly gate, amen, that big giant pearl, whether it be on the east, west, north, or south side, you step into there, you're going to go. Home at last, home at last, home at last, home at last. Now, real quick, let me close. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at verse 45 here just for a moment and we'll close. Has this helped anybody this morning? Does this bless you? To know that you're living life here on this earth, that it's not for nothing. That what we're doing here at Island Church is not for nothing. That all that we do with missions, it's not for nothing. That we're living for a day in which we will be rewarded for how, what we've done here on the earth with the faith that God has given us. 1 Corinthians 15, let's begin there in verse 45. There's so much in this, it's it, it really tough to just hit it a lick and run from it, but we're going to do it anyway, and trust God we can come back to it later. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, everybody say last Adam. See, I like that term better than the second Adam because there's only two. There's the first Adam, the prototype for humanity. Then there's the last Adam, Jesus, who brought us redemption. Amen. You're born into the human family. Then you're born again into God's family. That's a great message in itself right there. It says, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that which, that which was not first, howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Everybody say natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthly. The second man is the, is the Lord from heaven. As, and as is earthly, such are they that are of... And as, as is the earthly... King James is tough. As is the earthly, such are they that are earthly. 
as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Now, that means you ought to live as heavenly. Don't live as earthly. Live as heavenly. Everybody say heavenly. It says, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, earthly. See, that's what we're shedding ourselves by being born again. Our human spirit no longer has the image of the earthly in it. The fall. We have the image of Christ in us now. We're the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. We have righteousness and not iniquity. We bear the image of the heavenly now. And now we renew our minds. We present our bodies. We do everything we do to what? We're getting rid of. We're, we're taking off this old man, which is what? Earthly. And putting on the new man, which is what? Heavenly. That means operate your life under the laws of what? Heaven and heavenly things. Obey the word. When you do that, you're obeying the heavenly things. Mm-mm. Oh, I could, I could preach a message on that. Good. I'm getting 15 messages out of every one of these scriptures. It says now in verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, everybody say flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Thank God we're born again spiritually. You say, what? Flesh and blood doesn't inherit it. But you've inherited it spiritually in your spirit, man. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Everybody say changed. Metamorpho from the inside out. We get the word metamorphosis from it. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immorality, then, everybody say then, shall we, shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Now you say, why did you read that in teaching on heaven? Here we go. Everybody ready? If I could take you, okay, stop right there. Anybody that's ever been to heaven, seen Jesus or anything like that, has not been there. They've had a vision. They've had a spiritual incident, a dream, a vision. I heard a guy teaching on this the other day that I have a lot of confidence in. He said, you know, talking about in seeing Jesus, Jesus has not come from the right hand of the Father down to the earth to appear to anybody. He said, well, brother, so-and-so said he saw him. He did. He saw him in a vision. Are you with me? He saw him in a vision. You say, now, what, do you, what does that mean? Well, God produced something so that he might open his eyes. And, and, and there's people that say they've been to heaven and seen all kinds of stuff about heaven and all kinds of stuff like that. You say, did they really go? Well, now, first of all, God doesn't break laws. For them to go to heaven, they could not go physically. You say, why? Their body couldn't stand it. Their body could not stand it. Secondly, they could not go spiritually without dying without their spirit being separated from their body. God doesn't break his own laws. So God gave them a vision of heaven. Remember Paul saw on a vision, excuse me, uh, Peter saw on a vision in Acts chapter 10. Amen. So they saw a vision. What, what, what that entails, I don't know. God had produced something and showed them a reality. But now our human bodies, if I could take your human body and put it in heaven somehow, you couldn't exist. Your spirit could. That's why when our loved ones, when they pass away, when their spirit departs from their body, we do what? We take their body. We do two things. We preserve it and we lay it in the grave. Now, let me say this. This is not doctrine, but this will help you. I really am not a fan of cremation. 
You say, why? Well, cremation kind of denies the, uh, the invincibility, the, excuse me, the uh, uh, inevitability of resurrection. Amen. So we do what? We take the body and we dress it up. We put a nice suit of clothes on you. We put a nice dress on you. We do your hair. We do your makeup. We do, all, we do all of that stuff. And then we put you in a casket. And notice what the casket has. Hinges. Means it can open, close, open, close, open, close. Are you with me? So one day. Now, now here's the good news. No matter if you, if you die tomorrow, you'll still be part of the rapture. There'll be the group of people, my mom. Momo, uh, all of our loved ones, Brother Hagen, Brother Osteen, all these people, they're with Jesus in heaven. One day, the Father will look at Jesus and say, go get them. Go get my church. He'll load all those guys up. Amen. Now, not the Old Testament. No, just, just the church. He'll, all, all, from the thief on, he'll line them up. Come on, guys. And there they'll come. And the trump of God shall sound, the shout of an archangel. And all of these people shall descend. Everybody say, descend. And they'll come down to the graveyards and they'll jump six feet under the ground. Whack, right into their bodies. Did you, did you know this is reality? We just read it. And boom. Immortality. Excuse me. Mortality will put on immortality. Corruption will put on incorruption. You're at so much power. The buffer, whatever that may mean. Whatever it is that stands between fallen human flesh and resurrected spirit will be removed. And all of that power that's in the human spirit, whoo, it'll rush into that body. No matter how long it's been decaying, no matter how long it's been in that grave, every cell will come together. Life will be imparted into that body. Six feet of earth will blow out of that hole. Are you with me? Y'all looking at me like I'm, I'm, I'm telling you a Walt Disney story or something. <laughs> this will happen. I said, this will happen. All of, that, all of that dirt will blow out of that hole and that lid will fly open and you'll step out. Young, strong, vibrant, glorified body. Amen. And you'll look around and say, oh death, where is your victory? Oh grave, where is your sting? Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Are you with me? You'll look around and say that, and then your brother and sister that had not died standing before you instantaneously would be what? Changed. That, that, that space in between the human flesh and the human spirit is gone, and their body goes glorified. Every sickness, every disease, every pain, every problem, every this, every that goes, and, and together everybody goes what? Up you go. Where? To the city of heaven. And here you come in through that big old pearl gate. And who's leading the way? Jesus. And you're singing the song of the Lamb, the song of the redeemed. And you're shouting and you're glorifying. You're praising God. You're magnifying God. And you go there for seven years in preparation of coming back to the earth and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And after that, the Bible says, now listen, this is what's so amazing. The Bible says not through Israel, not through other generations that have lived but through the church God will use the church through the through the uh through eternity to mat, to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God so that means you you say I feel so insignificant no no you're not insignificant God knew you would be alive at this time God knew you would be here God knew you listen 
He wants every person to get saved and to be a part of this. We don't adhere to some old dead Calvinistic doctrine. God chooses this one, but not this one. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall what? Enter into all of these things we're talking about. Heaven becomes your home. One day you'll have a glorified body. One day God, and see the negative side of that, everyone's going to get a glorified body. And there'll be hordes of people in hell with glorified bodies that will not die suffering in that torment and that flame that that rich man was talking about. That's why we preach heaven good. We preach God good. It's worth it to give your heart to the Lord. If you lived in abject defeat as a Christian on the earth for 120 years, it'd still be worth it to serve God and give your heart to Him to make heaven your home. But I got good news for you. You will not live in abject defeat. You will rise. You will be more than a conqueror. You'll demonstrate the goodness of God here on this earth. And when this is all over, here we come, heaven. We're on our way home. Amen. Lift your hands and worship God. Brother Frank, if you will. Father, we glorify your name. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, you're so good. Lord, you've prepared for us a home, a place Father, we thank you that we can go there. And Father, we thank you that we can work on this earth to get every person we possibly can there with us in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise and bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, you can put your hands down just for a moment. Now, I ask you a question this morning. Are you living right? Are you doing right? Is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? You're doing all you know to do to serve God. Or are there things in your life that are holding you back, pushing you down? If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus my Lord and Savior. If you say, Pastor, I, I did one time, but I just not have served God. I'm away from God. I'm estranged from Him. I want you to know, fellowship may have been broken. You may have broken your fellowship with God, but God has never broken His relationship with you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He cares about you with an everlasting, eternal love that you just have to experience to know. So while nobody's looking around, let me ask you the question. Are you right with God this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm not. I don't want to leave this church. I don't want to leave this house this morning until I know that things are right with me. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith